Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I am kind of leading us through stewarding his abundance. And I wanted to talk today. I can't say that any of these that the Holy Spirit gave me were are my favorite, but but I love the things of God. You know, I, my grandpa was a, an Assembly of God's God pastor in Norman, America. And I went to his church until I was 11. And a move of God came through the city, Oklahoma City, when I was 11. So that was 1892. Just if you're keeping track of history. And I remember this memory like all the time, very vivid for me. My my parents and I, we went to my grandpa's church in Norman. But my mom's dad, who I'm named after, his name was Reese. And back then, we didn't give girls guy names, you know, now. You can just you can be called a cloud if you want. But my mom hid his name, her dad's name, in my name. That's why my name is spelled really weird with that extra A, as everyone tells me for 60 years. Well, you have an extra A. I do. There's a lot of prophetic things about that. We don't have time to share right now, but... His name meant basically flowing enthusiasm. And my mom's mom and my aunt Parshana came to get my mom and I to go to this outpouring. We called it a revival back then. At Bethel in Oklahoma City on Northwest 7th. And when they came to get us, my dad, he didn't want us to go. He didn't want us to change churches. And I remember thinking that eventually we went. I didn't go that night, but my mom did. But when she came back, she was different. My mom used to, we lived in a little bitty house my dad had built. And she used to set me when I was a little girl outside her room and I would hear her crying out for me and crying out to this king we worship. She was demonstrating his presence to me the best she knew how. I was thinking today about 
how I learned to hear his voice. You know, we're, we talked about his presence, and then I think on Wednesday, was it Wednesday, I shared about open heavens. All of those are in abundance right now. I mean, if something's open, it's just abundant. Right? I told the story about the fire hydrant, and then the next day the girls went to work, and there was a fire hydrant full on pouring down the street. So you can't make this stuff up. And I was thinking today about different places in my life where I learned to hear his voice and how his voice is in abundance to us today. I wanted to kind of give us a little delineation between what he says and what he's saying. You know, part of what I talked about in his presence was that maturing in his presence, just like anything else in life, is in stages. I don't know if you've figured this out yet, but everything about God is to restore you to walk like you did in heaven. Before you came to earth in your little pod, do you remember him whispering in your little pod? And he said, now go down to earth and be this and do this. He did. Even though you maybe don't remember it, he did. Because you walked and acted a certain way before you came to earth. I count it a privilege personally to, to walk on the circle. That's what I like to call earth. It's just a big circle. Remember when we used to think it was flat? How weird was that? That I want, I want him to transform my mind in every way possible to live like he designed. He designed you. God designed you. You believe that, right? And he designed you to hear his voice. And he designed you to follow it. And he designed you to obey it. And through that process, I have life. God never designed us to limp through life, to be filled with fear and anxiety. None of those are of his design. And I've, I've been counseling for 35, 40 years. I mean, the first time I sat down to counsel somebody, I was 11. I wouldn't have called myself a counselor then. But it was the first moment I knew somebody intended to tell me their story. I had a lot of learning to do to be able to give them words of life versus just a sympathetic shoulder. You know, if you're privileged for someone to come and want to tell you their story, you need to learn how to give them life. Everybody don't want a red couch. It's another story. I don't have time for that one. And so, I don't know what I was saying right then. Started the red couch story so I couldn't think. So I'm... So I'm, I'm, I'm helping us venture into understanding about his voice and more. Of, I like to dissect it a little bit. There is a difference between what he says and what he's saying, just to help you right now. You may not know the difference. And you may not be, this may be your first awareness that, you know, there's a difference, but there is. And it's really important as we experience the abundance of his voice. How many 
could say that you have more of abundance of his voice today. Everybody that's been here for more than 10 years is going to raise your hand, but in the last 10 years than you did the previous 10 years. We're just aware that he's talking. We're aware that he can invade my fear-filled life. He can invade my disappointments. Everybody's been disappointed, but it's not enough to say that. It's enough for him to personalize how he's going to walk you out of disappointment. That's what God wants to build. And, you know, I, I wanted to tell you this story today about Isaiah. I like Isaiah a lot. Have you figured that out? I referenced it, I think, on Wednesday, but in thinking about his voice, you know, and thinking about the purpose of his voice, I, I put that scripture as a reference for you on your handout, and if you need a handout, they're right over there on the wall for you. Um, is 1 Corinthians 3. Now, Just for the sake of time, you read the previous verses, okay? But I wanted to start with number eight. Let's just start with nine, just to help, my, help me not get stuck on eight. You know, when I start reading the Word, then it's a whole thing. Number nine, we are co-workers. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a co-with God. I'm a co-worker with God. Heavy on the co, heavy on the work. Right? Listen, let me help you. You're going to be dissatisfied being lazy with God. The part of your design. Think about, do you ever think like this? I think like this all the time. What's the design of that bird? Like, there's not one up there. Um, I, had a, I got a, a couple of people looking with me. It's out in the distance there. What's the design? Of, what's the purpose of it? You know, Cece's a bird watcher. I never was a bird watcher before I met her. And for her birthday in August, we bought her a bird buddy. A bird buddy has got a Google camera on a birdhouse. And she gets to look at birds from all over the world. It's astonishing the colors of birds that are in Hawaii. We don't have those birds here, or I haven't seen any here. I, I think about how intricate God designed the colors on a bird. It's, it, it's an, I mean, what's the lifespan of a bird? And when I think of that, since I'm a creative, then I think of everything through the light of creation. What can I create? Since I, I learned years ago that everything I say, I create. My words are the go out with a mission. That's why I'm trying to change you from Captain Obvious. Anybody learning anything about it? To speaking with the eyes of faith that whatever is not going on in heaven, I should be doing some sort of binding and getting heaven down here. And I can create heaven with... How he made me. Do I love well? Because he's love. Am I selfish? 
the list goes on and on. And so since I'm a co with God, I'm a co-worker with God, it says, you're God's cultivated garden. Now think about it. I have so many garden analogies and CC has written a ton about the garden. Think about disappointments in your life. They're a weed in your garden where a flower is meant to be. Have you all ever seen the shack? It's a great representation. You know, when I watched that movie, I had been having these encounters with God. And I had, I, I wept in the theater. It's the only movie I've ever done anything like that with because I'm not really into movies. But I wept the whole time I saw what was going on, this interaction between God weeding out life's disappointments, just a different viewpoint because we needed it. And he said that. He said he marked that movie. But can I present, I know some of y'all just saw it, but he's saying something different now. What he says will always be true. He said it. It's true. He has promises. But he's saying something new. And, you know, I, I have this experience a lot because I'm building lots of little teams. And so, like, with the worship team, I hope I can articulate this. But So we had this new song today. And so I say something I want them to do. Do, do ABC. But the point of what I'm saying is I'm leading them into an encounter with the song. So I don't need to say what I said anymore if the purpose of what I'm saying gets accomplished. Does anybody follow me at all? And see... God is in the business of transformation of hearts, right? And when my heart is transformed, I see the events of my life differently. My greatest hurts become my greatest victories. If you haven't experienced that yet, it's because you haven't encountered what I'm talking about. You haven't encountered His voice. And so, it, it says... The rest of that chat, that verse is that you're the house he's building. You're a building project of God. What's a building for? You know, we're trying to bump out the wall. Bump out the wall. No. Um, for a slight bit of expansion, but you do understand there's a better, bigger dream in my heart, in God's heart. The bigger dream is for him to make you a minister of flame. What's the only thing that doesn't flame up? Something that's refining. That's why Haley gave us that word. He's, he's setting ablaze the way we hear today. So I can shift from the rigid rules and regulation to flow flowing in his spirit see that's why he's such he he does have six month out words but he also has a bunch of now words 
He has a bunch of now experiences. Wouldn't you hate it if God said, okay, everything you feel, everything you experience is for like nine months from now? Right? You'd be like, well, when does the nine months? We would do this. Let's calculate. Let's make a chart of when the nine months started. So I'll be prepared on that day. That's why you have to know what he's saying. He may have said no yesterday to something, and today's a big yes. And I'll still be living on the no and miss the blessing. And, you know, Isaiah is such a good, you know, I've preached on this a lot. Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6, it says, in the year King Uzziah died, what happened? I saw something I had never seen before like that. That's what he's saying. This is your day to see something you haven't ever seen before. But who was King Uzziah? He was, I, he was Isaiah's uncle. What does King Uzziah's name mean? Does anybody know? I looked it up for you. It means the Lord is my strength and power. But what King Uzziah did was he stepped out of the role. He stepped out of the placement of how things were to be done. Remember God had, because they wouldn't come to him in Moses' day, he, he created what? The law. And in the law, the priests were to offer the sacrifices. Why? Because that's how God said it. He just set it up that way. There's not a big reason. Why did God make the ark out of gopher wood? See, why does God do what he does? Because God, he, God does stuff like that. And so he stepped into the role. He was a king. He stepped into the role of the priest, and, and he died of leprosy. But think about it. In Isaiah's life, he was somebody. Who's your somebody? See, I, I've been there. I don't know if you've been there yet, but I had a somebody more than once in my life. And that somebody's position in my life died, and I was left deciding if I was going to see him or not. Am I going to see the Lord or not? Am I going to, because he hears the choice, am I going to follow? Some of y'all are stuck in an old dream. When God's got a new dream, he's trying to resurrect out of the death of the old one. He couldn't even resurrect the new dream because you're trying to make your sons and daughters be your old dream. It is an hour. word. And why does it die? Because it's not it. Remember, I preached a while back is why is it a disappointment because it wasn't the right appointment? And... I love Isaiah because he said, finally, the thing I looked up to, the thing I thought I would emulate, it died so I could see who I really was. And when I see who I really am and what he's really called me to do, he said, I'm completely unclean, ill-equipped, unable 
Such a good place to be. It was in his lowness. It was in his ability, is what Tessa read. It's in his ability to see, I'm undone. Oh my gosh, I am completely undone. That God could touch the thing he was willing to admit that he was. We stand on the side of protecting, well, they did that and they did that, and I deserve, you do. You deserve to be mad. You deserve to be disappointed. You deserve to have your expectation. Yeah, absolutely. But that's dead. Did you see him when it died? Or not? Because see, the moment personally that something died in my life that was a ministry that I thought it was going to be it. I went to a big church. It was really cool. Everybody knew my name. It's kind of cool when 10,000 people know your name. But when it died, nobody knew my name. Just Pam. But I saw him. I remember where I was when I saw him. I remember the bedding was on my, what color was on my bed? Three shades of green. I remember what my headboard and my footboard, and I remember what my sheets looked like because when that died, I saw him. And I said, and he said, this is what I want you to do. And I said, I cannot do that. And he said, you're right. Let me touch you with me. Let me touch what you can't do with me. In that moment, I didn't care what that other person had done. They no, they no longer owed me in one second of my life. They didn't know me. It was like I didn't know them. It was like I've been touched by something that's equipped me in this moment for something I could have never been if I hadn't been through that. If that hadn't died, I would still be pumping life into it. It would still be on my nameplate. Teresa Rogers, blah, blah, blah. It would still be there. I'd still be showing it to people. This is my identity. And he said, the thing you thought was your identity actually was death. Because that was your own power. Oh, have you come to the end of your own power yet? Man, I had friends around me. Let's pump life into that. Let's pump life into that. I'm talking to somebody in here today. Let's pump life into that old thing. Come on, we can resurrect it. Come on, we can make it new again. You can't, it's dead. And you either mark with your life the place you saw him or it's still an invitation. It's still an invitation to say, come and let me mark you. Let me touch the thing in you that isn't actually any good anyway that was made of your own strength. And let me touch it with the coal of my altar and let me say it's clean. Because when God says it's clean, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. God said it. We sang about it today. Who can ascend? It's a psalm. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those with clean hands and a pure heart. The hardest thing to do in this life is to live with the audacity that, yeah, I sinned. 
Yeah, I fell short. <laughs> but now I'm touching you. I'm anointing you with my glory. See, the, the thing about this marking from Isaiah is he couldn't go back. He couldn't go back. Everything was wiped off the table and his life started brand new that day. And listen, look at this just real quick. You can read about it, can't you, in Isaiah 6? Oh, I have to read it. Can I read it? In the year that King Uzziah died, I clearly saw the Lord. And he was seated on his exalted throne, towering high above me. His long flowing robe of splendor spread throughout the temple. Standing above him were the angels of flaming fire, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces in reverence. In two wings, they covered their feet. And with two wings, they flew. And one cried out to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, the commander of the angel armies. And the whole earth, it's the circle, is filled with his glory. The thunderous voice of fiery angels caused the foundations of the threshold to tremble, and the cloud of glory filled the temple, the place where his uncle tried to sacrifice something out of place. is the same place was filled with his glory. Then I, Isaiah says, stammered and said, Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm destroyed. I'm doomed as a sinful man. For all my words are tainted. Have you got there yet? And I live among people who talk just like me. But King Yahweh, commander of the angel armies, my eyes have gazed upon him. Then out of the smoke, one of the angels of fire flew to me, and he had in his hands a burning coal, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, and he touched my lips. Maybe today it's your ear that needs to be touched. And it said, see, the burning coal from the altar has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is blotted out. And then I heard him say, Who can I send? Who will go and represent us? Wow. That, that's the display of salvation and assignment right there. Yes. Isn't it? Yes. Something died that I made. That I wished was cool. It's devastating. Disappointing. Took my breath away. Tried to take my life away. Tried to make me stop living. Tried to make me feel hopeless. But what? No. I saw him. I saw him. I 
I saw him. I saw him. Do you remember when you saw him? I saw him and he touched something in me. And then he said, you're good to go. I don't, I didn't feel good to go that day. I felt like, well, let's do this a while longer. I, I just don't, then our soul just, oh, come on, who could comfort me just a little bit? Who could, right? I love Isaiah. He said, I'll be the one. Send me. Me. Are you raising your hand yet? Are you, are you saying, after that thing died, after I've been touched, you can't do anything else the same. People will know you by the same nay tag. When you see them at the mall, when you see them at the fair, ooh, they'll say to you, are you still doing your thing? Are you? And all you have to say is, I saw him. I saw him. Some of you aren't quite there yet. It's okay. I saw him. I saw him. And this is what he said. Go and tell the people. People, you keep listening, but you understand nothing. That's the first message of the messenger. See, because he was there when he kept seeing and saw nothing. So now he knows. When God said to him, this is what you tell him, he's like, oh, yeah, I get it. Oh, yeah. I can say it with passion. That's why you're here listening to me. It's because I saw him, and I'm telling you with passion, you can see him too. You can see him too. You can hear him. You can hear what he's saying in this moment. You can adjust you can adjust. You can adjust. You can let the old thing die. You can let the old hurt and devastation, the thing that takes our breath away, you can let it die. And you can say, I will live again. And I will say for, the, for him what he wants me to say. Because guess what? You have an audience. There's a whole generation looking for someone to tell them how to see him. He said, go and preach a message that will make their hearts dull. Why did he say that? Because they were idol worshipers. They can't hear anything. You can't hear anything when you're worshiping an idol. Because you've given your affection, whatever you behold, you become. When you've given your affection to smallness or pride or offense. You know, the same truth I'm speaking right now can set one person free and offend another person. It's all about how much idol worship I'm involved in. And so the message has to prove to you. Lenny told me the other day that she heard somebody say, when they listen to stuff I say, they're trying to decide if they agree. So the message hardens and hardens and hardens. He's not asking you if you agree. When I'm offended, 
it's because I'm getting my own opinion met. I'm saying, do I agree? You won't ever agree. You'll always have an answer for why you're doing what you're doing. And that's not what he's called us to do. Because he said, you're my co-worker, God's co-worker. You're a garden that he's weeding out things and lies and remaking your mind to do and say what he said to do. So when you do and say it, you'll look like him. And his guarantee is if you go and be my messenger, people will be changed by your words. But if you go and give your message. Have you ever spoke from that religious spirit place or that political spirit place? It doesn't heal anyone. You can believe in healing. You can believe he said that we could heal. But when you speak out of a different spirit, the spirit and the other person has found communion with you. The idolatry in them found communion with what you're saying. But when I've seen him and I speak with words of angels, did you hear the words of angels? Did you know angels are still speaking words of angels? They're fire. Have you ever felt like you had fire shut up in your bones? Have you ever delivered the fire and it didn't quite do what you anticipated? Can I just refine you at a higher level today? My people who want refining. It's the motive of my heart. My motive of my heart can't just be determined by how I personally apply the word. The word is true. The word is absolute truth. But listen, sometimes we speak out of judgment and we call it love. How far can he stretch your love? Can it be inconvenienced at what level? Trust me, I know the inconvenience of loving and loving people in process. It's why no one does it. Because we get to a level of loving people in process and we say, well, you should have gotten that by now. Why are we still having that sozo? It's true. When God stepped to the edge of Jerusalem, on the mountain he looked, why did he weep? The only question you have to ask yourself is, am I still weeping like him? Am I still weeping over people that are lost without a shepherd? What's the limit of my love? I love if you, you know, I preached on, do you remember when I preached on the seed is in the stump? This is a season of seeds. And in this seed scattering process, some are going to land on you in your heart that's receptive and it's going to grow. And some are going to lay up on the top. And you may not even leave this building. And someone texts you or say something to you 
that is the enemy's oracle. And they will come in and steal the little bit of seed you have. See, it's a saturation problem. See, when you've been saturated in his presence, let, let me give you a good analogy. So if you are, we have this new pool. And when I'm at the bottom of the pool and someone turns a hose on, on top, because the big the pool's bigger than me. I don't know if that's the first thing you gotta know. I can't tell the hoses on. But I bet if Lenny came out with her little robe on and I was just spraying her down with a hose, we'd be having a different experience. It's a saturation problem. When I just barely make room for his presence, one little drop affects me. And I'm like, whoo. Aren't I? Whoo. Whoo. I felt I felt a little felt a little flutter. I felt a little presence. But see, when I'm saturated, then I actually don't notice when I've given out. See, when I'm unsaturated, I'm calculating everything. Well, this week I went to church that time, and this week I went over and helped that person there, and this week I, and this, this is me time. I've, yeah, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Me time has come upon me. It's one of the things we're going to be talking about. And so I, I don't understand that time is in abundance. It's how I allocate my time that decides whether or not I feel in lack. Just like every other abundance he pours out. I, I'll say it in a more direct way in case that wasn't enough. When God speaks, he's looking for someone to obey. And I promise you, I'm going to. And my obedience isn't your obedience. And the way that you receive more is by obeying what you hear. It's valuing it. It's becoming saturated in his voice. Listen, I'm sitting in the green room and I, I probably have 700 things I could have talked about today. It's the same way with every other abundance. It's, it's that way with money. When you're in lack, I said it a few weeks ago, you already know what you're going to spend your money on. See, God pours out the abundance that we're willing to manage. Whether it be presence, voice, money, people, time. If I won't manage it, I won't get more. Because... If I didn't understand about saturation, I would drown in his presence. Some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about, but some of y'all do. And it's just an invitation. I want to be fully saturated. You know that you know that old sponge you try to clean the sink with and then you lay it up there and tomorrow morning you look at it. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about there either, but used to back in the 1800s, that's all we had was sponges. And we would wash something with a sponge. We'd lay it up on the counter. And then tomorrow it would be half its size. That's you. Your desaturation. Is that a word? Process. 
Mendel says, rocket. I'll rocket with confidence. A desaturation of your sponge just made you half the size. And isn't it weird that when you take the sponge out of the package in its newness, it's a little bit damp. It's full size. But once you use it, what is up with that? It is. It's intended to be saturated all the time. The full intent of the Father is that I'm saturated all the time, that I'm one life. I'm not different at home. I'm not a cocky butt at home, lazy and uninvolved. And at church, loving on people, acting all smooth. I'm the same all the time. I'm completely accessible to the presence, to his voice. doesn't matter if it's three. You realize, since I get up at four in the morning a lot of times, now I'm getting up at, dang, fall back. Did you get it? It's my first thought was, oh my gosh, am I going to be getting up at three now? <laughs> I don't even really like sleep that much, honestly. It's not my favorite thing. So in Isaiah, when he's talking to him about how to preach and how to speak, Jesus, so my last thing, I want to, my last point, in Matthew 13, Jesus quotes Isaiah. I think that's important when it's in red. And the disciples were asking him, why do you speak in metaphors and parables? Does anybody love a metaphor as much as me? Why? Why were they asking that? No one had ever spoke that way before. I was watching this old Western the other day. And they were a little more forthright with how they talked. <laughs> I don't really like Westerns, but they were just straight shooters. You abandon it, bang, you're dead. That's it. And you just go around everywhere and making that happen. But now we're politically correct. And we don't want to tell anybody anything that will set them free. The girls were telling me about something that happened to them on Friday night, and it was the truth that was the opening to set her free. Was it the girl that gave up her? Yeah. Guy, girl, I don't know which one it was. Boom, boom. And so he said, this is why. Jesus is talking. He says, you've been given the intimate experience of insight. The intimate experience of insight. You've been given that. That's an abundance. That's his voice. <laughs> Into the hidden mystery of the realm of heaven's kingdom. That's what his voice does. Mysteries. I don't know that that didn't excite y'all. Because I thought I might get more of a whoop on that. But that's exciting. Jesus is saying... And he says, for everyone who listens with an open heart 
will receive progressively more revelation. So that tells us about revelation. Right? It's intimate and it's a mystery. Revelation is intimate in a mystery. If you're not saturated in intimacy, you're standing outside the pool going, I don't know if I want to get wet or not. They look like they're having fun. If you have an open heart, you'll receive progressively more. Until, say until. until. You have more than enough. How much is more than enough? I'm living in the more than enough. It's, it, I know you don't believe me, but it's much harder to know what to do with all of it than it was when I just was hoping to hear a one-liner. And listen, my stewardship of it is I will change anything to just say what you're saying now. I could study all week on one topic and walk up here after they've thrown down that worship mantle and be like, I can't remember anything I just studied and I have a bunch of notes and they don't, I look at my notes sometimes I'm like, I don't even know what any of that means because he blocked because this other revelation was time and what makes it time? Let me help you. This is your part. Your open heart. If I was sitting in a room full of unopen heart people, I would have to preach a message of salvation. It's just true because that's the door. You know, Jesus is not only the door to the kingdom, he's the door to all the stuff. Like anything else you need, you're going to have to go back through that door over and over and over again. What's the door of Jesus? It's true repentance. When I get to the place where I think, I can live without you, Jesus. Then I got to go back through the door. Nothing is available to me without the open heart. It says those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart. Even the things they think they understand will be taken away. Why? Because God's merciful. And if you built something on the ability to do that, you would keep building the Tower of Babel. That's another story I don't have time for. He says, that's why I teach in parables. Because they think they're looking for the truth but their heart is unteachable, actually. And they'll never discover it. Ooh, doesn't that make you just want to say, teachable heart, teachable heart, teachable heart, teachable heart, teachable heart, teachable heart. Doesn't it? Although they listen to me, ears, they never fully perceive the message I speak. And he says, the prophecy of Isaiah describes it perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. That's not even really what Isaiah said. But it is what God was saying. <laughs> they look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Again, that's really not what Isaiah said he said. 
But that's what he's saying. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Really, Isaiah said, God said to him to preach something that makes her heart dull. Do you see, God may have said something, but what is he saying right now? Their ears are plugged, hard of hearing. They have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would personally open their eyes to see. Don't you remember when you were closed off? You thought no one could see you because your eyes are like this. And they would open their ears to hear. And they would open their minds to understand. And they would return to me and catch this. And I would instantly heal them. There's where healing comes. With an open heart. Come on, Mendel. Sorry about that. It's a good message, huh? Aren't you happy for the intimate, in, intimate experience of insight? Oh, that needs to be on a T-shirt. So many T-shirts. We have more words that need to be on T-shirts than we could ever wear. Anyways, um, I love this message and what Tisa touched on, and I could tell that you know this song as she opened up with. Um, has been burning in me ever since I heard the root notes for it. And it came about in a really powerful way. And I'm sorry, but I'm just not satisfied having sung it today. Okay? So I'm going to talk about it just a minute longer and tell you what I heard the Holy Spirit saying and and press into that a little bit more. I love the song, and it's a great song, but I just want to make sure it's connecting with us. And um, so... What I heard, I feel like that I've kind of been on a little journey since the beginning of October when I first heard the two root notes. Okay, I heard them from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't in a songwriting session. And so it was the eyes not seen, ears not heard about the glory outpouring that's coming to earth. And then the one I heard a few days later in the service was, but I can hear you and your majesty's calling and I can see you, your glory's falling. And that was just... I mean, boom, like it was so big. And so then I've, I had to wait a little bit until we could put it into song form. And I felt like, I feel like I've been experiencing something in that period of time where it was sort of this, um, you know, when you, you don't get to release something and it becomes um, irritating inside you because it's burning in you and you can't get it out. You can't get it out. And so I was asking him about that. And um, today, and I felt like he was saying that there is a disturbance in the spirit. And I personally tend to feel those things. And it's not always pleasant, especially not a disturbance, right? But this is what I tried to put it in a little bit of a written form. I'm just going to read what I I got. Um, He was saying that the level of response from earth in relation to what he's pouring out is gravely disproportionate. He is pouring out volumes beyond measure as if entire oceans were scooped up in his hand, held right over our heads, and poured out over us daily. And it's as if all we have held out to catch the flow is that teeny tiny communion cup. 
we happen to have it here today, so it was a great visual of how small that is. Imagine an ocean compared to the volume that little tiny cup can hold. And he said that that disproportionate um, level of disproportionate um, catching of his flow is creating a dissonance in the atmosphere. So I looked up the word dissonance, and I want to read you these crazy definitions. Dissonance, a harsh, disagreeable combination of sounds or discord. A lack of agreement, consistency, or harmony. Conflict. A combination of tones contextually considered to suggest unrelieved tension and require resolution. That's been me. Unrelieved tension that requires resolution. <laughs> the quality or fact of being dissonant. An inharmonious mixture or combination of sounds. Harshness of co combined sounds. Specifically in music, it's the combination of tones that are so far unrelated to each other as to produce beats that are distinguished from consonants. Isn't that crazy? Tones that are so far unrelated. I just want you to catch that. There's, he's pointing to something that there are tones that are so far, not just slightly off, but so far unrelated from each other, they don't go together. Discord in general, disagreement, incongruity, inconsistency, the mingling of discordant sounds, an inharmonious combination of sounds. Also, last definition, a want of agreement. A want of agreement. That's like a longing. That's like saying, I want agreement. I need, I am in desire, I have a longing for agreement in this place of dissonance. So he said there's a dissonance in the atmosphere. We have a greater capacity than what we're operating with. And I thought of this analogy. Have you ever had anyone tell you you were more than you thought? That if you just held that bat a little differently, you could hit a home run. That if you positioned your body differently, you'd have more power in your swing. If you listened in that moment and tried it, you were grateful for the tip, not condemned. You were excited even and impressed with how you leveled up. You were stronger than you knew, and that meant possibility opened up before you. Now, just to share a little bit of a, of a personal example on that, I often go back to my tennis experience. I started playing tennis when I was a sophomore in high school. The day before school started, I actually was at the school to get my schedule, and my friend said, hey, instead of taking that lame PE class, why don't you take tennis with me? So the lady in the office was kind enough to change the schedule at the last minute. Had never held a racket, had never played tennis, didn't know anything about it, didn't know how it worked at all. So I start on the first day, and it's you know JV and varsity, and they have us all just start playing. And then they walk around and rank us. Well, I could barely make contact with the ball. And so I was ranked dead last <laughs> on junior varsity, okay? As it should be, yeah. So, but then I, I was there, I had no um, elevated expectation of myself, you know, and I was, there were coaches, and there were coaches that would tell me things, and they would put me through drills, and teach me and train me how to do it, and next thing I knew, I was getting good, and when I got good, not, not when I got good, but in the, on the, in the process of becoming better, I would go to these things called tournaments, 
And I discovered there's a whole world of competition out here where you can play, you know, you can compete with all these people from other schools, from, you know, on and on and on. My eyes were open to the world of tennis that I had never thought of before, never considered it. And then I began to experience what it felt like to hit a really good shot, you know, just just a really good serve and all of that. And so I, it created a hunger in me. Every time that I felt something click within me, that when the ball landed just right, it created a hunger. And my, my vision for what was possible began to expand. Because I was, I had low self-esteem. I wasn't trying to be anything. I didn't, you know, but all of a sudden I was like, I think I can beat that girl. You know what? I think I can stomp her. I think that I'm going to play doubles now and we're going to crush them. I mean, this thing came out of me that I'd never experienced before, and I didn't consciously decide it, but I just began to run. I wanted to just go all the way with it. And so by the end of, or by my junior year, I was number one on varsity. I just just shot right up there. And I, it was just because of this hunger in me, because somebody coached me and told me how to do things in a way that actually clicked and worked. That is what I feel like the Holy Spirit is wanting us to see today. He's wanting to, he's saying that over us. He's wanting to tweak our listening experience to level us up. He's inviting us into greater possibility. He's wanting us to discover that there's more power in our swing than we knew. He's wanting you to taste of that, that connection with him on a greater level. And it will create a, another hunger in you. And that hunger will drive you to another level of connection and another and another and another. And you don't have to think about how good you are or how bad you are at it. You just pay attention to the hunger. Just press in. Someone is telling you today that you have more capacity than you knew. The capacity that you have right now is falling far short of what you're capable of doing with him and hearing him. We have the God-designed ability to shift the tones, the sounds, the frequencies of our atmosphere. When we're congruent with what he's pouring out, we shift the atmosphere to be congruent with him. So we have that ability to say, to create dissonance, to add to it, or to, to take away from it and create harmony and all of that that I read, the opposite of all that I read. And you know, if you know anything, if you, there's lots of stuff out there, <laughs> you're going to be hearing more about it. You know, these sounds, frequencies, and all of that have directly affect our mental well-being, our physical well-being. This is not just a, a pie-in-the-sky supernatural experience. It directly applies to our natural experience in our physical man now on earth. It's not just something we'll be great at in heaven. It's something we can be great at here, that we can really learn to flow with him. And so all he's saying is that we have, we have a greater capacity than what we have known. And um, it's time to increase in that capacity. The song today, to me, signified a convergence of a holy outpouring in God's people. It was prophesied a long time ago that there would be this unbelievable outpouring of his spirit. But then in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 2, Jesus said, this is why the scriptures say things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. In other verses, it says, eye is not seen, ear is not heard. These are the many things that God has in store 
who are all his lovers. Are you a lover of God? Okay, this you then. Next verse, but God, but God now unveils these profound realities to us by the Spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us his inmost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. The reason this song had a part in it that said I'm waking up is because the Holy Spirit is saying that you can hear me, you can see me, you can feel me, you can taste me, and you can even smell me. You who are living in this pre-appointed time can hear and see what that prophecy said you've never seen before, you've never heard before, you've never even imagined before. No matter what you've thought, no matter what you've known, you can hear, see, and think of it now. So just that was the thing that these, these two Holy Spirit root notes that came to me on, on 10-4, October 4th, it was the eyes not seen, ears not heard about the glory outpouring. Well, then four days later, it was, but I can hear you. I can hear you. Your majesty's calling. Your majesty's calling to me personally. I can hear you. And I can, I can see you. I see your glory. I see your glory falling. So the, there's a connection there that years and years and years ago, it was prophesied that something was going to happen on the earth that you can't even imagine, that you've never heard of before, you're, you've never seen anything like it before. But now Jesus and the Holy Spirit are saying right now, but you can, you can, you can hear, you can see. That prophecy, get, I mean, think about it, years and years ago, how many generations have heard, well, someday something's going to happen that we've never thought of before, and we can't even imagine, and we can't even see it or hear it. You are the people that get to see it. You're the people who get to hear it and think it and partner with it. And so that's, that's the oomph behind this thing that I've been, that's been burning within me. And I think it's honestly just been driving me a little bit crazy. <laughs> I might have to apologize to some people for that. Yeah. But honestly, I feel this dissonance. I feel it. this is not this is is not as it should be. This is not as it should be. There is an outpouring happening and we're just holding out with our little pinky, this teeny tiny little cup. And we're saying, oh, thank you, Jesus, for this incredible thing that you've given me. I will savor this one tiny drop. But there's a whole lot more, and there's a lot more in that one drop, and there's more drops, and there's more time you can spend on it. There's more thought you can give into it. There's more meditating on it, ponder on it. I go home, and I just start thinking about it. I just, it's on my mind. It's just on my mind. What are you saying? What are you saying? It's like, it's like that thing that's just, you're just holding it in your mouth, and it's slowly melting. And so... You have to ask yourself, what does it look like for you personally to increase your capacity? It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to hear more frequently, but what are you doing with what you hear? Are you making a whole meal out of it? Or are you just saying, man, that was a nice lick of the sucker? Okay. Let's increase our capacity. So, Papa, we just say, we hear you. We hear you, we hear you, we hear you. We hear that this is a wake-up call, that this is an invitation. This is a tweaking and a coaching to say, you are the ones who get to see and hear and think and conceive of what I'm doing on the earth right now. So don't say that it's some small thing. Don't act like it's some little 
Cherry on top of the ice cream sundae of salvation. No, you get to see the entire outpouring. You get to personally experience it. You get to prophesy of it. You get to testify of it. You get to tell people about it, invite them into it. It's us. We get to do it. We get to do it. And so, Papa, we will say that that is no small privilege. That is not something we will take lightly. That is just not something that we will just put a, think of to just put a smile on our face and then go do everything normal. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just make this a personal message for each person, that you would show them where they laid down that thing that was actually an entire feast and they treated it like a tiny piece of candy, that you would invite them back to that, that you would just entice them to come back and take the next thing so that that hunger can grow in them. We just thank you for the hunger. Thank you that you made it so simple. I get hungry all the time. It's so simple to be hungry. You know, I don't have to think or discipline myself to be hungry. When I'm hungry, I just go and get something to eat. And that's what he's saying. So thank you, Pop, that you made us simple because we are sheep and we would just walk off the cliff if we didn't have you leading us. So thank you that you made it simple, that you just want to stir up a hunger in us that we will naturally follow. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Papa. We hear you. We take you seriously and we will act accordingly from now on. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.